0: Welcome to the Danny Picard Show Friday, September 25th, 2015. As always, broadcast from the Beantown Athletics Studio in Dorchester, Massachusetts. Beantown Athletics is the only in-house union screen printer in Boston, specializing in custom uniforms and business apparel. Follow them on Twitter at Beantown underscore dot, also on Facebook facebook.com slash Beantown Athletics, and on Instagram, swing by the shop on Granite Ave in Dorchester, or give them a call, 617-282-4181, that's 617-282-4181, and I should also add the best skate shopping in the New England area is right here at Beantown Athletics, so when you do swing by the shop, tell them that I sent you and bring your skates to get them shopping, too, because I know hockey season is right around the corner. Uh, there is some Boston Bruins news uh, that is uh, that should be of concern to Bruins fans, is certainly of concern to myself. Uh, what I heard happen last night uh, in the Bruins preseason game, I'm not paying much attention to preseason games, though. I'm not watching them. Uh, to be honest, when when I'm on Twitter, lately and I'm getting updates about preseason games. Now, not the update we got last night which is a Zdeno Chara injury. Like we I want that update. But I don't need I don't need anything else other than that. I mean, unless you know, that's really the only update I need. Like if Zdeno Chara goes like going into any preseason game the last couple nights, if you had told me what's the the one tweet I want you to tweet out from a preseason hockey game, I'd say and if you wanted to get specifics and say the Bruins specifically, I'd say Well, if something happens to one of the star players on the team, let me know. Uh, Other than that, it's preseason hockey. We got a Thursday night football game. I paid most attention to that last night. I had my eye on some baseball things. Uh, The Yankees played last night. The Blue Jays did not. I have my eye on the AL East race. I have my eye on the postseason baseball race. I'll get to some of that before I close it out. And it is Friday, which means that before I close out this show, like I do every Friday, I'm going to give you picks, picks. Five games with the spread in the NFL. Sunday's games. Do I bet Monday game? the Monday game? If I like the Monday night game enough, I'll take it. But I only give you five games. I have five games picked. I will say this. I had to make a last-minute change to one of them based on an injury that I just heard, which is a devastating blow to my fantasy team and also to the New Orleans Saints. But I'll get to that. I'll get to my picks. Picks, picks before I close out the show every Friday. Five games with the spread. I am six and four on the season through two weeks. I went four and one in week one, two and three last week. Looking to bounce back uh, from, uh, uh, I call that a bad week. I go two and three, that's a bad week. Uh, but I did tell you on yesterday's show look, when I tell you to bet a Thursday night game, I'm only going to tell you to bet on it if I feel comfortable with it. Okay? Now you're an adult, you can do what you want with the advice right don't come chasing me down for money if you if we get it wrong, all right? You're an adult, you're betting you can make your own decisions. but if I feel like there's a game on Thursday night that i that I think you should stay away from, I'll tell you to stay away from it like two weeks ago, you know the Denver, Kansas City game i as if i I told you if you put a gun to my head, I'll take Denver, but at the same time with when you get to the spread. I just wasn't comfortable with it. I just told you to stay away. Um, but last night, I didn't tell you to stay away. I told her to take the Giants, minus 3.5, at home against the Redskins team that was coming off a big win over the Rams. The Redskins lost week one to Miami, and then they beat the Rams. And you got a Giants team that's 0-2, that devastating loss to the Cowboys in week one, and then a loss to the Falcons, honestly, uh, last weekend— Out of all the games that they showed on Red Zone, or at least that I was watching, because the Patriots played at one last week, I saw, out of all the games, the one game I saw the least amount of was Giants-Falcons. Falcons Falcons won it. Uh, The Giants 0-2. I told you how I feel all week about the NFC East. I think with Romo's injury, that, you know, it's, I don't want to say it's wide open, but I do think it gives some teams, other teams, even teams that are 0-2, like the Giants, a shot to at least to at least stay alive at 0-2. But they had to win last night. This was a must-win game for the New York Giants. And that's another reason why I told you they were gonna win and cover in their own building. The New York Giants win this game last night, so you got that right. Thirty two to twenty one. Now, if you took the under, you took the under at forty five. I feel awful for you today. I feel absolutely awful for you because you got screwed with a late touchdown pass by the Giants. Eli to Ruben Randall, with, what, three minutes left? Three minutes, 20 seconds left in this game. Put the Giants up 32-14. We know what happened after that. The Redskins ran it back, ran the kickoff back for a touchdown. And onside kick goes out of bounds. Giants, game over, right? 32-21 was the final score. Giants win. You know the the Redskins did some things late, but at the same time, this game was over early. The Giants took a twelve to nothing lead, and forget about the score. It was just the way it was, the way things were going, the way this game opened up. Right? I mean, this was, you know, if you're the Giants, everybody was two weeks ago talking about your running back Jennings didn't go in the end zone. He then says a week later that Eli told them not to go in the end zone. Uh, you know, then you lose to the Falcons. You got your running back, Jennings, blocks a punt to begin this game. Blocks a punt to begin this one. And it it ends up going into the end zone and out of bounds, which is a safety. Uh, So blocks a punt off of the opening possession in this game. Before maybe you even started watching, you turned the Giants lead it 2-0. But just, you know, if you're the Redskins and that happens to you, that's just, you're on the road you felt you probably felt good about yourself going into this game. That's just, that's an awful way to start. Anytime you begin a game with the safety, look, and they reminded us of the Patriots in that Super Bowl where the Patriots had that, you know, that safety in that game. And look, that's just, whenever there's a safety against your team, that is just deflating. I, I, forget about when it happens, if it happens at all. That's a deflating turn of events, a safety. And the way that happened... The point in time in that game, it happened. Open and drive. The Giants running back. Jumps in and blocks that punt. 2 nothing Giants. Momentum. The lead in their own building. They're hungry. They're 0-2. That game was over right then and there. You're watching it. You're going, I'm going, this game's over. Giants definitely win. Uh, then the Giants come and they end up punting. Redskins get the ball back. And just a tremendous play by the Giants' safety. That interception at... Inside the Washington ten-yard line. I mean, this was as good a read. This is what you call film study, right? I mean, we talk about teams preparing, game plan planning, watching film. The safety for the Giants there, Amukamara. Am I saying his name right? I tried to practice his name seventeen fucking times before I went on here. Okay, Amukamara. I don't even. Again, I say it now. Right? That the lights are on and the on air signs going, and I'm not sure I even got it right. But, anyways, it was just a tremendous play. Instincts, but more importantly, I think he knew that was coming. He saw the formation, he knew the route. That's why all that talk about Spygate is silly. All the talk about stealing signals is silly. Richard Sherman, you know, he pointed it out. You got to give Richard Sherman some credit here. He pointed out when all this talk about the Patriots, Spygate, stealing signals, getting an edge, he said, well, look at this. This is a game. This is a sport. This is a league in which our job as a defense, as an offense, as coaches, as players, our job is to study what the other team's doing. So much so that when we see something we remember from the film, we know what's coming. When you know what's coming, that's when you're doing your job. I mean, this is a league in which, that's why Spygate is so stupid to me. Right? Everybody's out there giving signals to, to, to thousands of, tens of thousands of people. Right? And, and but the, the job of a defense or an offense is to look at the other side of the ball before the snap. And to know what's coming his way. If you don't know what's coming your way, you're fucked. Okay? You are. Your quarterback's going to get sacked. Um, The running back's going to have a loss of yards. You know, or you're going to throw, in, you're going to force something with pressure. You're going to throw an interception because you read something wrong. Or as a defense, your cornerback's going to get burnt, right? Your run defense might not be ready for uh, the running back pounding it up the middle. I mean, th- that's how you get fucked in this league if you don't know what's going on the other side. The Giants last night, they're in this spot. Redskins get the ball back. Giants lead at 2 nothing. Kirk Cousins goes back to pass. On 2nd and 7 from his own 9-yard line, and it's intercepted inside the—I I said inside the 10—inside the 20, right? Inside the 20. And the safety for the Giants, just a tremendous play. He knew it was coming. He knew exactly what was coming. So, uh, you know, you see something like that, and I think—I always think a spy get. You know, whenever I see or hear a commentator that's going after a certain—that's talking about a play, how he knew what was coming, right? I was think, wait a minute, well, aren't you, don't you not like that, right? The analysts don't like that. They crush the Patriots. Oh, they know what's coming, right? They, they crush them. Well, um, I, I think that in this instance, last night, the Giants knew what was coming. But whether it's, you know, knew the signals, it's, it's film study, film study. It's a league in which you're taught to learn what's coming your way before the snap. That Giants' safety last night, he knew it was coming, stepped up, made a big play. Giants turned it into a touchdown. Uh, they turned it into a 9 to nothing lead, right? They had the one-yard run, and then they kick a field goal, 12-0. Uh, Redskins get a field goal, cut it to 12-3. 15-3 Giants after a field goal. You know, I just there was one play, I thought, which was... And it was tough because it didn't result in a touchdown. It resulted in a field goal. But the Giants went for it on fourth down when they were up 15 to six, right? So early in the third quarter, the Giants led this game 15 to six. And, you know, they're driving the ball down the field, fourth and one at the Redskins' 38. You're looking at. You're looking at a 55-yard field goal. It's obviously not a gimme. They obviously didn't feel confident kicking it, going for it. So they went for it on fourth and one. Eli Manning dropped back to pass. He throws a nice ball to the right side to Odell Beckham Jr. And it was a great catch. To get his hands out while he's falling to the ground and make that play, get the first down, the four-yard gain, and move the chains. You know, that to me was one of the biggest plays in the game because you didn't. All right. They didn't go on to get the first down, another first down, or get a touchdown after that. They ended up kicking a 48-yard field goal. But 48-yard field goal is more, more makeable than 55-yard field goal, isn't it? Uh, they end up, Josh Brown kicks it, and you take an, you take an 18-6 to lead. You know, instead, it could have been 15-6. to I just thought it was a big play. I thought it was a huge catch by Odell, Odell Beckham Jr. Maybe even a nicer catch than the touchdown that he had. Later in this game, you know, he's coming over the middle and he sort of had to pull a ball back into him in the end zone. That was a little bit underthrown. That ball could have been thrown a a little bit better by Eli Manning. But and this is where, you know, I look at this Giants team and Odell Beckham Jr. is the type of player that going into the season I looked at and I said he made that one handed catch. Everybody's all over him. You know, it was a fancy catch. What's he on the cover of Madden. I don't know. I mean, uh, because the guy makes a one-handed catch. Is this a guy now, you know, everybody's taking him early in fantasy. Uh, Is he really going to be that type of game-changing player because he he makes the one-handed catches? Well... He's made some phenomenal grabs, and I was wrong about him. I thought he was just going to be this guy that was known for the one-handed catch and was going to be overrated in his career because of that. But i got to give credit where credit's due. Odell Beckham Jr. is proving me wrong. He has big game after big game. He had seven receptions last night for 79 yards and a TD. But to me, the biggest catch he made was on that fourth and one where he's fallen to the ground... And he, he extends his arms, and he catches it with his hands, and he just falls to the ground for the first down. And he turns a 55-yard field goal essentially into a 48-yard field goal. And uh, it, it helped him out. It did. But the Giants, you know, they go on. They win this game 32-21. Even whatever happened after that, to me, this game was over early. And it was over the minute Rashad Jennings, the running back for the Giants, jumped in and blocked the punt. That must be as deflating a feeling as you could get if you're the Washington Redskins. And um, it it was over. The Giants were hungry. They wanted it more. They needed it more. That's for sure. Look, the Redskins are one and two. I don't see the Redskins going anywhere, right? I don't see them going anywhere. The RG3 thing is so weird because you can actually dress your third quarterback, you know, right? Because there's a new rule in the NFL that was put in a couple years ago where it says, you could actually take your emergency quarterback, your third string, put him into the game, and then put either your starter or your backup back into the game. I think before 2011, 2012, you couldn't do that. If you put your third string quarterback in, he had to stay in the game. You, or at least you put, couldn't put those other two quarterbacks in. Now you can. I mean, he doesn't even dress. I know he was dealing with a concussion issue, and maybe that still is a thing, and they don't want to make a big deal out of it. I don't know. That's, it. It seems to me like... It's just a weird situation. The Redskins are a team that's going nowhere to me. And the Giants, it was a must win. They win it. And, you know, I look at them now. I look at the Giants now at 1-2. and two. They go to Buffalo. Um, I don't think they're going to win that game. But then they come home. I think they can beat the 49ers at home. I think they can then go to Philly and beat Philly. Right? Y'all looking at a 3-3 three and three team. Coming back home playing a Cowboys team that isn't going to have Tony Romo, and then you're going to New Orleans if you're the Giants, and you're facing a Saints team, which, as you probably heard by now, is going to be without Drew Brees at least for this week. I don't know what uh, the uh, what what else is going on with it. I know it's a rotator cuff. I don't know the uh, exact details of the diagnosis of the actual injury. How much is it torn? Is there a tear? Is it a strain? we have to wait and see on that. But he, but Drew Brees is not playing this weekend for the Saints. Drew Brees is not playing. When they go into Carolina, Drew Brees will not be there. And it does, it did affect my picks. It did affect Picks Picks, which I'll give to close out the show. But last night, Thursday Night Football, this one was over and it was over early. Even though maybe the score didn't show a 12 to nothing, isn't end of the world for the other team. It's not impossible to come back from that. But I just thought the way the game was playing out, The block punt by the Giants running back. uh, The interception, which was a great read by the Giants' safety. And, you know, the fact that at that point, the Giants, they showed they were the hungrier team anyways. The Redskins had no shot. And they had no shot beginning from that pump block. So, um, that's how we open week three. You know, if that game was on Sunday, I probably wouldn't watch any of it. Giants, Redskins. I wouldn't watch any of it. But since it was the only game on last night. I did watch it. I I kept my eye on some other baseball stuff, too. But before I get to that, and before I get to my picks to close out the week, a couple NFL stories that you should know. Let's get to the notes on injuries. I told you, uh, Drew Brees, he won't be playing Sunday. Cam Chancellor, safety for the Seahawks, is likely to play on Sunday for Seattle. So he's likely to play for the Seahawks, which is big news. But not just for what the Seahawks are going to do, because I think – the Seahawks, they're hosting the Bears, right? Seahawks are hosting the Bears. They're going to roll on Chicago anyways. Seahawks are going to roll on Chicago. Seahawks are 0-2. They're going to roll on the Bears. Now, the spread of that game is 15. I, and maybe this is teasing where I'm going with picks-picks because picks, you look at the Patriots, who are a 14-point favorite in their game. So you get a couple high spreads this weekend. But in the NFL, I stay away from the high spread. I do. Even though I tell your team's going to just smash on another team in their own building. I I, Look, I the high spreads in NFL I stay away from. It's just not a wise bet. It's not. In college, you can go with it. In college, high spread doesn't scare me. College, uh, you know, especially first couple weeks, I I see a 35-point spread sometimes, and it it doesn't scare me away. I mean, that's college football for you, though, early in the season, especially. But NFL, eh, 14, 15, that's high. But, look, Seattle is going to beat Chicago anyways, with or without Cam Chancellor. They say he's likely to play. And other teams are keeping their eye on this, too. Because, you know, I think other owners probably want Seattle to punish Cam Chancellor. But it doesn't look like, at least with team suspension, it doesn't look like they're going to do that. Maybe a fine. Who knows? But Cam Chancellor likely to play Sunday for the Seahawks against the Bears. DeMarco Murray, running back for the Eagles, he is expected to play Uh, This weekend as well, Eagles are in New York to play the Jets. Jay Cutler, Alshon Jeffrey, officially ruled out for the Bears. Uh, Another story to keep your eye out for, a player who could be making his debut. Todd Gurley, running back out of Georgia, could be making his debut for the Rams in St. Louis against the Steelers this weekend. Huh? Tenth overall pick out of Georgia. You remember that? Just a beast of a running back for Georgia. Just an absolute beast, right? What, 6'1", 6'2", 230 pounds. Um, ACL surgery in November. Ended the season last year. He was picked 10th overall. You know, you wonder, if he stayed healthy, I mean, where do you think he gets picked? He, you, top pick? Second pick? Third pick? I think top three. But he wasn't healthy. Maybe some concerns about the knee for some teams. Could make his debut with the Rams. In the NFL on Sunday. So keep an eye on that as well. And Le'Veon Bell is returning from a two-game suspension for Pittsburgh. So just a couple NFL notes there. There is an NFL story. Look, I've told you many times that I am done with the flake gate. I, I am so done with the flake gate, it is not even funny. Done with it. But, you know, when you get a story like this, I have to bring it up. i gotta I got to bring it up. Look, Patriots getting ready. To smash on the Jacksonville Jaguars at Gillette Stadium Sunday at 1. And they're going to do that. Uh, But you got this story now that comes out of WFAN. The morning show there, you got Boomer and Cotton, Craig Cotton. I mean, look, is this for ratings? Maybe. I can't even imagine how many mentions these guys have got on other stations. I mean, they're getting one right here. Craig Cotton. uh, Here's what he said in the show. He said, a very influential person in the NFL told him that there is no doubt in his mind that Tom Brady will serve a four-game suspension this season after the NFL's appeal is heard. Let me let me read you that one again. Let me read you it again. Craig Cotton, WFAN, Boomer and Cotton, their morning show. Craig Cotton says, he has a source, he says a very influential person in the National Football League told him, quote, there is no doubt in his mind that tom brady will serve a four game suspension this season after the nfl's appeal is heard now here's my problem with this story okay and I, that's this you know i need to sort of take this story and smash it to the ground immediately and and i, I there's a, there's somebody that has spoken out and i'll get to that in a second that's also just crushing this story but here's where I'm gonna crush it. This NFL person, influential person in the NFL, says there's no doubt in his mind. So right there you're telling me this is an opinion. Okay? This is an opinion. I bet you if you asked this same influential person going into the the hearings with Judge Richard Berman, I guarantee you this person, influential person in the NFL, would have said the same thing, would have said the same thing going in to those hearings before Judge Berman completely uh, erased the four-game suspension. Would have said the same thing. So, first thing first, this is an opinion. Let's not take this out to be some type of factual information, because it's not. It's one guy, one influential person's opinion. And it sounds like it's someone who wants this to happen. Which, again, gets into the whole, um, you know, people wanting to take down the Patriots more than actually looking at the facts of the actual case, okay? Now, that's just, that's my take on it. We get someone else's take, who's a little bit more respectable than me when it comes to this legal stuff. Michael McCann, legal analyst for Sports Illustrated. He came out with a tweet, says that this report and this story that Tom Brady is going to serve as four-game suspension this season after the NFL's appeal is heard. Michael McCann says that cannot be true. says it isn't true, and here's why. Because he said, and it's simple, it's a simple reason. He says, because the appeal won't be heard until 2016. (laughs) When the NFL appeals it, it won't be heard until 2016. And if it's not heard until 2016, then guess what? Tom Brady's not going to serve his suspension this season. He won't. That's that's where this story ends. Story begins, yeah, it gets a little momentum, everybody gets fired up, the radio stations get to talk about something, take some calls, uh, you know, for a couple hours to kill some time on a Friday. But then it ends when you actually, again, use common sense, and also listen to someone like legal analyst Michael McCann to what he says. Be like, this is bullshit, that can't be true, because the appeal will not be heard until 2016. So there's that. And uh, I'll get back to the NFL in a second to close out the show with Picks Picks. But a couple other notes here to end the week on Major League Baseball. The Yankees defeated the White Sox last night. They had to use Batances and Miller. And actually, they, they put Batances in. Remember we talked about yesterday they put Batances in with uh, two outs in the seventh. He, he got four outs for him. Two outs in the seventh. Pitches the eighth. Hand the ball off to Miller in the ninth. You know. Turns into a seven-inning game, really, a six-and-two-thirds innings game. And the Yankees get the job done. Blue Jays had the night off, so Yankees had a, you know, a half game. And the Blue Jays now only three games ahead of the Yankees for the AL East. Uh, keeping an eye on some other things. Clayton Kershaw, he went off on Don Mattingly in the dugout last night. Went off on him. Why? Because Don Mattingly took Kershaw out of the game after he got out of the fifth inning. Okay, you go you get out of the top of the fifth in LA against Arizona. Kershaw let up three runs. I believe the third run was a solo home run. And uh it was a lot of stuff he was leaving up in the zone. But at the same time, through five innings, Kershaw had nine strikeouts. Nine strikeouts. And the Dodgers, while they're arguing Put up six runs in the bottom of the fifth. So Kershaw, even though he got taken out, even though he was bullshit, even though he he just called out his manager, okay, and showed him up in the dugout in front of everybody, he still got the win. <laughs> he didn't want to come out of the game. I think he threw like seventy, eighty pitches. He he wasn't he wasn't done by any means. Um. And so look i don 't usually like this stuff, and when Wade Miley did it for the Red Sox and called up, you know showed up, John Farrell called him out in the dugout, I said there is no, there 's no place for that. I, I told you get rid of Miley right now now Miley uh, look Miley at the time it, w- it wasn 't a good game for him, in fact, it was a terrible game for him, and he deserved to get taken out of the game, so that was one reason i didn 't like it. The other reason was it 's Wade Miley. You know, Clayton Kershaw does this. He it wasn't a terrible game for him. Um, so part of me doesn't really understand why you would pull him. I get what you I get that you have the division and you're looking at it, you're saying, let's save him. But Kershaw, look, he he's a he's a competitor, and he's one of the best in the league. I think Kershaw can get away with this, all right? Because he's Clayton Kershaw. He can get away with it. Uh, you know, someone like Wade Miley, to me, cannot do that, cannot get away with it, especially when Wade Miley was having a shit game, right, having a terrible game, and he did it early this season. Kershaw did it, it wasn't a terrible game for him, and, you know, I didn't really understand pulling him at the time, but I guess part of me can understand the reasoning based on, you know, you going to the playoffs in a couple of weeks, why, at this point, maybe if he doesn't, but again, you can't, does he not have his best stuff? It wasn't terrible stuff. I just, whatever. Bottom line is this. Kershaw showed up to manager. I don't ever like to see this, but I think there are certain guys in certain situations that I'm not going to call out for doing it, and this is one of them. I'm not going to call out Kershaw for it. Uh, It's Clayton Kershaw, and like I just said, he had nine strikeouts through five innings. He's He's a competitor. He prepares to pitch every fifth night and go out and win and he had a tough inning, you know, he let up a third run there, Uh, and his team, look, his team came back, and won it for him, Kershaw got the win, usually I crush the pitcher for showing up the manager in the dugout, Eh, I think there's, there's some exceptions to every rule, in my opinion, and this would be one of them, Clayton Kershaw, I won't make a big deal out of it, I don't think they will, I think they'll move on, I think they'll be fine, you know, it's one thing if Kershaw is not one of the best pitchers in the world, and if he was having an awful outing right one of his worst outings and he did that that's a different story then we then I'd be calling him out in this situation no so uh and and then one last baseball note the Boston Red Sox have named Mike Hazen their new vice president slash general manager so Mike Hazen uh he used to work under Ben Sherrington you know and look Dave Dombrowski president of baseball operations He could have gone outside the organization and brought someone in very easily. In fact, I thought he was going to do that. He doesn't, and I think the reason he doesn't is because he wants to keep some of this staff around. Like, he wants to keep some of Ben Sherrington's guys around. And the only real way to do that is to keep one of Ben Sherrington's top dogs. And Mike Hazen was that, one of Ben Sherrington's top dogs. So, you know, if he doesn't bring one of those guys back, you know, Hazen goes somewhere else. Hazen probably brings a handful of those guys with him, right? But Dombrowski didn't want to lose that. And also here what Dombrowski does is he keeps a guy and he names him the GM and he names him the vice president and he says in the process, oh, by the way, I will have final say on all baseball matters, on all baseball situations, trades Free agent signings, hiring manager, firing manager, firing coaches. Uh, I have the final say on all baseball matters. Okay? And that's it. So he has the power to do that when he keeps a guy from the organization like a Mike Hazen uh, in, and, and gives him that role as GM. Now, it's not to say Mike Hazen can't go out and, and act like the day-to-day GM. He He's going to, and he will. But Dave Dombrowski is always going to be the guy that says, no, or yes, or why don't you do this instead, Oh, you needed to go do that instead. Dave Dombrowski is still basically the guy that's going to be, at the end of the day, calling the shots, right? Everything's going to be going through Dave Dombrowski. Uh, but Mike Hazen, congratulations. It's, it's a great opportunity for him. Um, I, you know, I can remember when I worked for Comcast Sportsnet New England, I was a reporter, I covered the Red Sox, they sent me down to do a lot of Pawtucket Red Sox stuff with some of the top prospects, and, uh, you know, probably like four or five years ago, Mike Hazen was a guy that, you know, I would call to, I, I called him a couple of times to get some scoop on some certain players, you know, when I needed some time to talk about a certain prospect and, and, and what they're looking like. You know, Mike Hazen was there to take the call and respond and answer the questions. And he didn't have to. So I always appreciated that. Seems like a good dude. Uh, Outside of those calls that I had a couple years ago with him, I don't know him too well. But um, like I said, he didn't have to give me the time of day. Who was I? I was a freelance reporter for a website. And, you know, he could have very easily not given his number out or very easily not answered the phone when when I did get his number. And he could have very easily, you know, gave me shit answers. But from what I can remember, he gave me good stuff. Uh, he was always willing to talk, and, uh, you know, this is a nice opportunity for him. New vice president, GM of the Boston Red Sox, congratulations to Mike Hazen. Maybe we'll try to get him in studio. I don't know. He gave me the time of day then. Now that he's GM of the Boston Red Sox, will he give me the time of day now? Who knows? Maybe. We'll try. We'll try to get him in studio. We got Sam Kennedy in here. Right? We got Sam Kennedy in here. Um... Right? I mean, why if we got Sam Kennedy in here throwing F-bombs, why can't we get the GM of the Red Sox in here? let will try to work on it. But there's your baseball story, hockey story, before I get to Picks Picks. Again, Zidane Chara for the Boston Bruins left last night's preseason game with an upper body injury. If you're a Bruins fan, this is as bad a story as you're going to hear right now, given the fact that Dennis Seidenberg... Is now out. He's gonna have back surgery on a herniated disc, and he's gonna be out. What are they saying? Eight weeks. He's gonna be out till the holiday season, and who knows when he's when he's back to playing 100% after that, if he's ever gonna be back to playing 100% in his mid 30s, with these injuries coming off. You know, he had the knee injury a couple years ago, the knee major knee surgery. He's got a couple of years left in his deal. This is Seidenberg, so Seidenberg's out. Chara, his reports have him day-to-day with the upper body injury that he suffered last night. And uh, let, let's see where we go with that. It's just, you don't like to hear something like this in the preseason, okay? Especially, as I mentioned the other day, in the last calendar year, you lost Boychuk, you lost you, you traded Boychuk, you traded Dougie Hamilton, so you lost two top four defensemen. Now you're losing another one with Seidenberg. Are you losing another one with Chara? Oh man, uh, it would be an awful blow for this Bruins team. Awful, awful blow, and uh, they'll feel the effects. You know, if Chara misses any any time, and they're going to feel the effects anyways without Dougie Hamilton, I think. So it uh, this this defensive core could be, could be kind of a circus this year. At least I'm expecting one, and that's not a very exciting thing. Uh, To look forward to when the hockey season is about to begin. But I'm all in on football right now. And I will be all in soon on the Major League Baseball postseason. When that does begin. Even though the Red Sox are not involved. So let's get to it for week number three. Picks Picks. In the National Football League. Hit the music. I give you five games. With the spread. Every Friday. Picks Picks. I'm six and four on the season. Was four and one in week one. Went two and three last week. Uh, here are my picks right now. First, I'm gonna go with the Minnesota Vikings. The, the Minnesota Vikings over the San Diego Chargers in Minnesota. The Vikings are coming off a big win over the Lions, in which Adrian Peterson was vintage. Adrian Peterson and they go up against the San Diego team now this weekend on Sunday that is not very good at stopping the run and Adrian Peterson this has all the makings of another Adrian Peterson 130 yard rushing performance this time maybe probably a couple touchdowns it's in Minnesota uh, you know I got I got screwed last week by taking uh, some road t- too many road teams you know the, the home team screwed me Oakland was the biggest one Uh, But Minnesota, in Minnesota, I told you I like the Vikings. I got them going to the playoffs this year as a wild card team in the NFC. Again, they're coming off a win. They're coming off an Adrian Peterson day in which he runs for 100 yards. And the Chargers' run defense is not very good. Expect a big day for Adrian Peterson. The Vikings are a a two-and-a-half point favorite at home in Minnesota. I'm taking the Minnesota Vikings minus two-and-a-half over the San Diego Chargers. Pick number two. Well... I just told you. They, the Raiders screwed me last week because the Baltimore Ravens couldn't play any defense against the Oakland Raiders. So, th- so while I say the Raiders screwed me, really the Ravens screwed me because I picked Baltimore in that game to win and to cover as favorites on the road. Baltimore comes home. They're 0 2. When you come home 0 2, you're facing a 2 and 0 Cincinnati Bengals team. I know you look at the records. Okay, And you might say, "Bah, the Bengals, they're going to have this one. It's a divisional matchup. The spread's only two and a half. The Ravens are obviously favorites because they're at home. I don't think they're going to begin the season. I don't know if the Ravens go into the playoffs, but I don't think they're going to begin the season 0-3. And to me, the Bengals, they're not the scariest 2-0 team in the National Football League. They're really not. Like When I look at the Bengals, they beat the Raiders in Oakland. They came home, and they beat the Chargers in Cincinnati. I I, I don't, they didn't, to me, they didn't beat any powerhouses in those two wins. So, Baltimore, I think they'll have the home cooking. Uh, That might help them defensively a little bit. Get some noise in that place. Get the fans fight up. Only a two and a half point spread. Ravens are not going to begin the season 0 3. It's a tough divisional matchup. It might be close. It might only be a three point win. But hey, a three point win, that'll be good enough to cover. I'm going to take Baltimore. Minus two and a half. The Ravens is a two and a half point favorite over the Bengals in this game in Baltimore. Pick number three. I'm going with the Indianapolis Colts. I told you to take the Colts on Monday night. I told you to take the Colts Monday night against the Jets in Indy. I said the Colts are going to roll on the Jets. They did not do that. Let's give some credit to the Jets defense, one. And two, let's point out that the Colts' biggest issue is their offensive line, and they will fix that. Okay, sure, their defense isn't great either, but honestly, when has Indianapolis's defense been great? I can't remember when that time was, because it just it never has, in my opinion. And they seem to be able to overcome that, at least in the regular season. Indianapolis, I think they'll fix some of the offensive line issues. Might not look perfect after just one week and, and a shortened week, because they played the Monday night game. But the Colts are a three-and-a-half point favorite. They go into Tennessee to play the Titans. The Titans are one-and-one. One. Um, the Titans just lost to the Cleveland Browns at Cleveland last week after the Titans beat the Buccaneers in week one. Uh, the Browns, Johnny Manziel against Tennessee last week. He was eight for 15, and he threw for 172 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Johnny Manziel... 172 yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions. That, to me, is the equivalent of Andrew Luck, who is looking for a monster game this season, and I think he's due for one. That's the equivalent, to me, of 350 yards, four touchdowns, maybe one interception from Andrew Luck against the Titans. I think the Colts win, and I think they win big in Tennessee. Uh, The Colts, to me, are not going to start the season 0-2. This is... You know, this is similar to, you know, last night I told you the Giants, 0-2, they're hungry. they mu- It's a must-win game. Colts got to win. Colts got to go into Tennessee and win. And it's not going to be a tough place to play. It, it's not a tough Titans team to beat. Colts, they're only a, a three-and-a-half point favorite. But to me, three-and-a-half doesn't scare me away on the road. I'm going to take Indy minus three-and-a-half over Tennessee in Tennessee. My fourth pick. The New York Jets. I'm going to take the Jets as a two-point favorite over the Philadelphia Eagles in New York. Uh, the, the fact that this game's in New York was big for me. The Jets, I think, I think they're going to start the season out here 3-0. And the Eagles, going to start the season out here 0-3. DeMarco Murray, they're expecting him to play. But I, I, you if you listen to the show, you know how I feel about Philly. I just, I, I told you before the season began... This, this season for them was going to go like this. I did, and I don't know what they could have done this week to change that. The only thing that they could have done to me is change who the quarterback is. I don't like Sam Bradford. I don't think that he's earned another start for this team. So, it's, and Chip Kelly... I don't buy into his offense. Whatever he's doing, I heard some people saying it's a little too predictable. Predictable, unpredictable, whatever it is, it sucks. And Sam Bradford, to me, is not the guy that should be under center for that offense. So, uh, the Eagles, I don't buy into it. I think they could stop. If this game was in Philly, I might feel a little differently. I might just stay away. I wouldn't pick Philly, but I might just stay away. It's in New York. The Jets are two-point favorites. I think the Jets win this game, I mean, by at least three. And another defensive battle I think that they'll put up. The Jets' defense, you got to acknowledge it, right? you got to acknowledge what they've been able to do, what they've been able to accomplish here so far to begin this season and what they did to the Colts on Monday night. Uh, the Jets will win that. Them and the Patriots will be 3-0 and uh, going into Week 4. So I'm taking New York minus 2 over the Eagles in New York. And then uh, my final pick was, as I said, was going to be Saints plus six and a half over the Panthers in Carolina. But w- right before I came on, the news that, that Drew Brees is out this Sunday because of that rotator cuff, I can't do it. I can't take the Saints. So, um, and this is why on Fridays, I kind of waited a little bit to release the podcast because Picks Picks is important to me and I, I want to do everything I can to get these right. And there's no way... I'm taking the Saints. If Drew I, Look, I knew he was banged up, so it was a risk taking the Saints plus 6.5 anyways. But I just figured, yeah. They, look, if Saints are 0-2, if Drew Brees played, I think the team would be fired up, but he can't go. If he, if he could, he would. But he obviously can't, and he's not. Drew Brees is out, so I can't pick the Saints. So my fifth game, fifth and final game, picks-picks, is going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers minus two over the Rams in St. Louis. It's in St. Louis. Uh, At first, you know, you hear this news about Todd Gurley possibly making his debut, right? And he could be somebody that could run all over Pittsburgh. But the other end of that, Le'Veon Bell returning from a two-game suspension for the Steelers. Uh, The Steelers coming off a big win. You know, they had no shot in their first week in that game at New England against the Patriots. open the season up everybody in in, on the Patriots fight up for that one Steelers had no shot uh they go and last week they beat the San Francisco 49ers and the Steelers to me are a team that's gonna win that division and if you're gonna win that division you go into St. Louis and you beat a team like St. Louis and I think they should get a little extra spark knowing that Le'Veon Bell's returning even if Gurley does return I'll be interested to see what he's able to do as an NFL player but his first NFL game doesn't scare me away necessarily, especially when the spread is only two. I'm going to take Pittsburgh as a two-point favorite to beat the Rams in St. Louis. So there are my picks for week number three in the NFL. I'm going Vikings, minus two and a half. Ravens, minus two and a half. Colts, minus three and a half. Jets, minus two. And Steelers, minus two. Yep. All favorites only two road teams in this one. Only two road teams. Those road teams are the Colts and the Steelers. Everybody else that I have winning, I have winning at home. The Jets at home, the Ravens at home, and the Vikings at home. Uh, I, I like the home teams this week except for the Steelers and the Colts. So those are my picks for week three in the NFL. Every Friday, I give my picks. Five games with the spread. You can get this show at DannyPicard.com. Also, subscribe on iTunes, anywhere podcasts are available. Follow me on Twitter, at Danny Picard. Like me on Facebook, all forms of social media. Uh, no radio again for me this weekend. Really, this whole month, I'm not on. I had the first week of September off on a little vacation, you know, leading into Labor Day, and, uh... You know, look, I I wish I was in the schedule. I'm not on the schedule, so no radio for me this weekend. Uh, So this is the only place you'll be able to hear me and hear my picks for the NFL. I will be back on Monday to break down everything that happened on Sunday uh, in the National Football League and anything else that happens in the baseball playoff races or any other news that we get. I'll react to it, again, five days a week, DannyPicard.com, also on iTunes. I'm out. Have a great weekend. Talk to you Monday.